Prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes. For it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Welcome everybody to this week's Legend of Retro podcast. I am your administrator chops of this uh, server uh, episode of the Legend of Retro, and with me is Domain Executor, the Glitch. Yes, yes, I got this sweet bracelet I found. I wonder if it does anything. It's a, a members-only bracelet, and nice. uh, as well with us is the um, Recycle Bin, <laughs> Greg WK. Ah, great to be here. Because <laughs> you remove all the trash, like people and stuff, and in this metaphor of computer things I'll, that I came up with. I'll live with it. <laughs> and if you Not haven't happily. guessed already what we're talking about, because it's so clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're talking about... <laughs> Sorry. It was awful. It was awful. I apologize for everybody. Uh, we're talking about Dot Hack Infection, which came out on the PlayStation 2 uh, February 11th, 2003. Craig, give us a rundown of this game. Yeah, it was developed by CyberConnect2 for Bandai. Uh, this action RPG stars Kite, who just started playing an MMORPG called The World. And after a strange event happens in the game, his friend goes into a coma, prompting him to delve into the game for answers. So, right off the beginning, who has played this game here besides me? No. Good. Neither of you. <laughs> yeah, just you. Just you, Chris. Which... Just you, Chaps. You, you dropped a big, big bomb on us before we started recording that this... you had never heard of this game. I at least had heard of it. I don't know. I, I don't think that's really that big of a bomb. But, yeah, I uh, I remember when uh, I joined the show, we have a, a doc where we talk about what games we want to cover eventually. And, you know, I scrolled through and, you know, put my name on a few games. And when I got to PlayStation 2, right at the top, because it's dot .hack, period hack, uh, is four games I had never heard of him in my entire life. Glitch, if we were to make a list of the top 10 most surprising moments of Legend of Retro, you're, you're, uh, uh, you're not ever having heard of Dot .hack would be the one that's going to surprise you the most. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, yes, that it, it was surprising because I feel like it's, it was a phenomenon. It's a series of games that three of them were released in the same year, and the fourth one was released the following year. Yeah, I remember this being a pretty big deal. Uh, I never got into the games; they, they're action RPGs, which you know I'm more of a turn-based guy. Uh, so it kind of got me to steer away from it a bit. But I always was really intrigued by this game, so I'm glad that we are taking the time to chat about it because yeah i i've never like knew that much about it until i started doing research for it yeah it's a really so it it's definitely a game of its time 2003 i will tell you it's the year before world of warcraft yeah this is before wow so there's this weird like you have your intermittent mmos are out there that are like I think Final Fantasy XI maybe was out at this before then, was it? Uh, Final Fantasy XI, I'm not a hundred percent on, but I know there's also like there's like RuneScape. Yeah, there's really old ones, and so this game takes place in a alternate timeline of the Earth in 2012 or 2010, where a a computer virus called Pluto's Kiss nearly crashes every computer in the world, and then the internet is closed to the general public because of security concerns. So, like, it, it's it's definitely, a, like, when I say it's a capture of the time, it's that era when, like, the internet was young, and in science fiction, it was almost treated like a living organism. Why like, like, there's pieces Like, there's pieces that you couldn't control. Yeah, and... I mean, the concept is great, I think. And uh, to answer your Final Fantasy XI, uh, yeah, it was. And actually, that was one of the inspirations for this game. It was uh, Fantasy Star Online, Ultima Online, and mm-hmm. Final Fantasy XI. Yeah, so like the, the way this plot is, is that basically two years after this has happened, this Pluto's Kiss, the world, which is an MMORPG, releases, becomes the most popular thing in the world. Um, and... It, 
it starts causing the players to go into comas. Um, and, and it's trying to, the developers say they blame like cyber terrorism on it. So essentially like this game is this like real world thing that's created where there's like these actual things that affect real life. But there's also there's this play of like in the game there's parts where there's like an administrator character he's like you should not enter this level or enter this part of this has uh, been corrupted as if like you couldn't just delete the corrupt code <laughs> it's it's permanently corrupted it's outside of the developer's control in a way that like you would have like a like current state like a pandemic like it's a virus that's spreading that no one can control but it's a computer program yeah. It's so weird. It is so weird to look back on it and try to like actually rationalize the game. I uh, I do think that that premise, had I had like rented the game when I was younger and or or just flat out bought it, I think that that premise would have gotten me really intrigued. The fact that your oh, yeah. friend, you know, he he like basically the the start is you know. Your friend is this great player, he's super high-leveled, he's going to walk you through a dungeon, teach you the game, and you guys see this, like, end-game monster chasing this girl, and your friend, who's super powerful, is like, uh, I don't like this, let's, you know, alright, let's just be careful. And uh, you end up encountering that monster, and your friend is like, get out of here, get the heck out, I'm going to hold it off, and you're like, uh, alright, whatever, it's just a game, and your friend dies in the game, and like you know, days later, the character who's who's you know a real person outside of the the game finds out that his friend's in a coma, and yeah. he's very sure it has to do with this game. But like you know, the family won't let him see uh, the fr- his friend, and so he wants answers. So he go- dives into this game to find out, and that's a wonderful way to give you agency to mm-hmm. raise intrigue but also to to show like yeah the friend wasn't or your character kite wasn't super interested in the game like he clearly was just like all right yeah my friend wants me to play whatever it gives him that like sense of purpose for why he's so into this game now yeah and it kind of gives like a futuristic sense of reality too cuz i mean there's you know the idea of this mmorpg and it's still a real life situation where you know you're playing a game that's in a game but it kind of makes you feel that connection that's mostly what dragged me pulled me in was that like i i didn't we didn't really know the extent of mmos um but this game does a really good job of kind of predicting the future on a lot of that kind of stuff which is crazy um so it like drew me into that weird like sense of community and like world within a world kind of scenario where like I have my life as a real human and I have my life as kite, this player in this fantasy world and these friends that help me with missions and things. I really enjoy that aspect, uh, Chops, especially the fact that uh, when you're on the like HUD screen, you have emails. It's a, yeah, it's a desktop screen. Yeah. You, you have emails that are from personal, like, you know, connections. And then mm-hmm. you can troll through message boards. And so you can learn things about the game if you take the time to sit there and read through those message boards. And I think yeah. that that's really interesting. The, the attention to detail of, like, a real simulation of, of what it might be to be, I, I don't want to say, like, involved, but, like, in deep in an MMO is there the message boards finding quests that are that are maybe secret or hidden that most people don't know because again this is early in the age of the internet so like this doesn't know that in the future people will just go to a wikipedia pages and get all the codes and all the secrets written out this yeah. is like word of mouth uh-huh. level of of transferring that knowledge and then also they simulate the idea of playable characters in your party as real humans. So like sometimes they're not available to help you actually out in a mission. You like request them to join your party and it's like, sorry, I'm not, I can't play right now. And it's like, that's so that's, that is, that is real life. Like how often are you able to actually get everybody involved into like a one raid for, for an MMO. So it was super weird for me as a young kid, because this is 2003, I'm still in like high school. I'm like a, 
freshman or sophomore or something, and I'm super into role-playing games. This is like, I got absorbed into this game series um, because it, it emulated something that I've always wanted to do, which was connect with other gamers that I don't know through a video game. And, like, one thing to say, like, if had I known about this series and this idea uh, of how they kind of brought all the games together, I might have been into it because the data transfers to the next game. That's what the best part is, yeah. So your character file transfers to the next game. Granted, it's, like, there's a level curve that, that immediately happens. So, like, the stuff you have maybe won't be as good. But when you transfer gear over, there's certain benefits that you get with, like, upgrading or transforming your gear into better things. And it and it and it is an ep- it's almost like the games are episodes of an anime that you're playing. Yeah. Which is completely unheard of. Which also, like, you know, I think completely influenced Sword Art Online as an anime. Oh, yeah. I think completely, which is super popular and in the game series as well. Um, and and it and I think it also, I wouldn't be surprised if it helped define, like, some things in World of Warcraft. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Like that. World of Warcraft basically stole from the, you know, the uh, Ultima Onlines, the RuneScapes, the, you know, all those other MMOs of the time. It, you know, took those and some people would argue it did not perfect them in the least, but made them very accessible to the common, you know, person who could play, uh, you know. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that this game series was super influential. And what blows my mind, and another one of the reasons I really wanted to talk about this uh, game, is the fact that there's nothing else quite like the fact that Four games came out within the span of what? A little over a year? Around a year? Yeah. Four PS2 games. Full, almost full-length role-playing games. Like, I mean, granted, there's a lot of... You can tell it's a lot of cut and paste of environments and and what you do. But the depth of items, the depth of party development, skills... The fact that there's, like, virus hunting that you do in the game to where, like, when you hit an enemy it like breaks a shield and you're able to um get virus extract viruses from them which like also alters your character's infection rate which like does it as a whole nother play and involvement in the game um it does a really good job of placing you in, in a world that seems established mm-hmm. yeah i like that a lot i i think that that is probably it's it's biggest drawing point to me uh you know that it is such a a, a unique experience. It, well, at least for its time. You know, arguably, you know, there are games similar, but you know, for its era, there really wasn't a lot like something like Dot Hack and Infection, unless you were actually playing an MMORPG. But that's not quite the same thing. It's not. Each character had its own flair to it. Like it, it, it was super copied off of Final Fantasy XI because you had, like, oh, a tiny thief rogue character. You had, like, a big um, brute barbarian. But then you had, like, this purple rabbit character, which looks like the... What's the race in uh, Final Fantasy XI that has, like, the big rabbit ears? I oh, forgot their name. Uh, v- v- uh, Vienna? Viera? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. I'm like, it, it copies directly off of it. But um, it it's a really interesting role-playing action role-playing game because it's it does it like even when you go into town and your party's there like one of the party members are like okay i'm going to get items you'll see like a, a message window pop up and they just run off on their own they're going to the item shop like oh that's great that's, that's just nice little touches like that so chops tell us a little bit about the skills i saw that certain weapons will give you different skills so if you unequip a weapon you might lose certain skills like uh, do you have some insight into that uh, a little bit, yeah. There's like, um, so there's like different grades of daggers that you can get for your main character because he's a daggering, dagger wielding character. Um, and when you get rare items, it gives you different skills. So, like, the, one of the best items in the game will give you a move called Orchid Dance, which is just like a ton of hits. Um, it, it, so, like, when you set action role playing, it kind of isn't, kind of isn't because it's like, you know, they like auto hit. Mm-hmm. But then you can choose skills to initiate while you're playing and, and items to use. So it like pauses battle for a moment and allows you to actually do kind of interrupting skills and things 
while they're auto hitting. Sort of like uh, almost like Zeno's, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, where it's yeah, like, yeah. like action y RPG blend. Yeah, basically. Okay. And, um, you know, without giving too much away in the series itself, because it is it's a four game arc, like you should really play it and, and go through the whole experience. Yeah. Um, each game is almost like, so like I said, own episode, own movie. And the gameplay itself is you're just fighting mobs of guys like you would in an MMO. Um, you have your party. You can issue commands to them. They each have their own class, their own skills, their own weapons. You have items. You have buffs. The buffs look exactly like MMO buffs. It's really funny. Like little feet with like line marks next to it to indicate you got haste. Or, oh, nice. uh, or like a weapon with an arrow up attack up like you know it's it's just really it's really cute in its ability to predict uh where mmos go so you actually don't get to control your other members you just kind of like direct them well you 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 can i think you do get to control them a little bit again it's been a bit since i've been able to play this game um like if your main character dies and you have control over the next character okay um i think if i remember correctly um but essentially, your main character, though, is your, like, that's that's who you're editing, who you're changing skills for. Like, you, to give items to the other players, you actually have to initiate a trade. <laughs> that's cool. I so like it is. So, it's, it's, yeah, it's like you're playing with other people then. Yeah, so they mimic how it is with other people. And then, like, yeah, you get messages, like Craig said, uh, on the message boards, or you get emails from them. You get emails from the company that developed the game. Like, it's it's so immersed in its world um and and does a really good job of placing you as a player into it now i i saw there was things called root towns and that's where you go to get your items and your Mm -hmm. uh your weapons uh but what is a grunty explain to me what a grunty is grunty it's like these like weird like pig horses like things like they're just like these weird cute animals that like they're like a side quest type i don't know I, i don't know how to compare it to anything other than it's just a weird animal and do you get to use them? Like, do they fight with you? They they kind of, you, you can do stuff with them, but they're kind of, like, collectible, weird creatures. <laughs> um, I remember them just being, like, all sorts of different, like, color palettes. Like, they're all, like, the same shape, mm-hmm. but they all have, like, different color palettes to them. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's really weird. Like, the game is very weird. I will tell you that. Super anime. <laughs> I will Way say, anime. Yes, uh, anime. I, I'm looking at the the picture of the the main character with his like red outfit, his hat, uh, and the character design looks cool. Uh, I think that uh, the main character Kite, uh, Black Rose, the I think it's like mm-hmm. the the next friend he makes after his friend goes into the uh, coma, uh, looks really cool. Like the the character design looks great. You know, I I think they captured that anime vibe that was starting to get real popular. Of course, it was popular in Japan already, uh, but was becoming very popular in America at the time. And I think that's probably why they were able to pull off a four-game series in the span of a year, because they realized anime's getting big, MMOs are getting big, now's the time to strike with this kind of stuff. And, I mean, they were successful enough to come out with all the games, so, I mean, clearly it was successful in some capacity. Now, doesn't uh, Kite... Uh, design like his art design, his clothing, I think, look familiar to you guys. He looks like Naruto from uh, the Naruto anime. He, yeah, he, he does. does. And it's funny because the director and concept designer of this game, uh, Horishio Matsuyama, is actually the co-creator of Naruto. That's the, hilarious. I didn't the Ultimate that. Ninja series. That's cool. Oh, and it's you know it's. It's funny uh, because uh, that connection to Naruto is going to continue throughout this episode. Keep that in the oh. back of your minds. Oh, um, Craig, did you look up Pyros? Pyros? Uh, no, I don't did think you look so. Him up? He's a funny one. He's a heavy axe man. He's got a huge body with a really tiny head. <laughs> it's just a really funny uh, character design. Um, and uh, he, he's just like a weird, weird character, very childish in the in the game. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, he his design is ridiculous. 
Yeah, I just love it, how ridiculous it is. It's a giant armor with a little tiny head! <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, and, I enjoy uh, that. The game also implements a weird keyword type thing. Um, and I didn't do too much research into it, because, again, I don't think it really means much, but uh, other than, like, it drives the story along. But there's, like, different areas that you can go to as a team based on the keywords you choose in the warp gate in, in your root town. And so the, each keyword in, in each area has a different effect on the field. So um, it, it can affect, like, monster stats. It can affect weather, how many floors a dungeon is, um, Glitch's favorite, what what food the Grunty might find there. Um, <laughs> so, like, so like part, Shrimp, a, I hope. part A includes words like bursting, hidden, expansive, boundless. Part B is, like, passed over, forbidden, haunted. Uh, and then C is like Aquafield, Twin Hills, New Truth. I don't, but I don't really know why these words are in there. At one point, I think this one of the words combos is like voluptuous, uh, um, uh, yeah. um, passionate, something. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know why the word voluptuous needs to be in there at all. Uh, but okay, probably because Helba is in the game. Yeah, Helba's voluptuous. That's that's for sure. Ah. Uh. I, I, I don't think I want to talk about the internet and keywords that involve voluptuous, so let's change the subject. Yeah. So uh, explain to us how voluptuous Helba is, Chuck. That's enough <laughs> out of you, Glitch. Uh, so uh, I, I, from the little bit that I did, you know, when I was doing research, I, I was watching a, like a Let's Play, and the guy that I watched shall remain nameless. But he was really annoying, so I couldn't get very far. But he mentioned at some point that apparently uh, rain affects stats. Like, you, like it'll affect certain things. Like, cha- the weather changing will do that. Is that really just the keyword thing more so? That, like, it when you change monster stats, it might also make it rain. So it's not that the rain is causing it so much as, like, the keywords are? The keywords affect the field, the the field that you're going into. Oh, okay. Um, the area, we'll say. So, yeah, like certain certain weather effects can have like, you know, affect your certain stats of like speed or stuff like that. Um, it's it's really weird. That's the piece of the game that I I don't think really. It's cool that you get to affect these environments, but mm-hmm. I don't really think it it it's valuable. I guess as a I don't know, as a trope. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I think that if the the game was programmed in such a way that, like, I don't know, you increase monster stats and that gives you more experience, uh, you know. Well, I mean, if it increases dungeon levels and the levels in the dungeon, that, that'll give you more experience. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of cool. It reminds me, uh, in a sense, of uh, Legend of Mana, where you can up the challenge rating in the game even beyond what they like deep like the default is and like what they offer at the beginning of the game there's like easy normal hard i think like super hard and then like hell mode or whatever uh <laughs> and i i like that because it lets you add challenge to the game and it rewards you for it by giving you more experience and stuff so i i enjoy that you can do that in this game where it's like you can get high enough level that you can keep making the game challenging and more fun yeah and it uh, it really plays hard into like this sense of virus and like infection in the series. It's called infection. The series games. It's um, uh, dot hack infection outbreak. Um, blanking on the others right now. Quarantine is the last quarantine. one. I'm sorry. Infection mutation outbreak quarantine. Mutation is the second one. Yeah. I, I enjoy the title. Uh, yeah. The themes of the titles. That's pretty great. And, and it kind of explains what's really what the plot is, is that this is the the first game, things are starting to go weird. Second game, then it changes all of a sudden. Um, and, and so, like, being able to, the character that you play, <laughs> again, it's that play on this is an actual world, you're, like, able to, like, hack the game world to get to restricted areas mm-hmm. with your ability to pull viruses and corrupt data out of enemies as you fight them. Oh, that's cool. I like that. So, um, 
yeah, it's it's weird. It's a really unique game, and there's not. I don't know anything else out there other than more games in the dot hack series, which there's this four part series game. And then there's a whole nother dot hack game series, which I think is another four parts. I'm not sure. I think that might be a trilogy. Dot hack GU. I think that one's a trilogy, but there's also an actual MMO dot hack game in Japan only right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a fair amount to the the game series, uh, which I really appreciate. I, I'm glad that it's out there. Now, uh, glitch. Sometimes you look up uh, like the reception of games. Did yeah. you look up anything for this? You know, I did come across some stuff. Uh, obviously, this game sold better in Japan. Um, so I did look up to see you know how it did, mm-hmm. and honestly, it did pretty good considering the amount of games that came out on the PlayStation Two. I know last month we did our. Uh, you know, top 100 PlayStation 2 games list from IGN. And I think I looked up, there was like something like 3,500 games for the system. Yeah, ridiculous. And so in Japan, it sold 254,000 copies, which actually made it the 131st best-selling game on the system in Japan. Oh, not bad. Um, did you guys want to give us give a guess out what the number one game sold in Japan was for the PlayStation 2? Uh, Final, or Dragon Quest Eight. Uh, is it is it TQ8? Yeah, it is. It's Dragon Quest Eight. It sold three point five million copies. Yes, the second highest was Final Fantasy Twelve with two point three. So it sold over a million more copies than the Final Fantasy Twelve version. I appreciate that. Uh, Chops, as we're talking about Dragon Quest Eight, pulls out his yes copy of Dragon Quest Eight for PlayStation Two. Now, does that one have the demo for Final Fan? It's Final Fantasy Twelve, right? Uh, yeah. It doesn't, because this is the one... So I used to have the one that had the demo. Oh, okay. And then I sold it, and then this is the one that you got me hooked up with. Nice. Remember? Yep. Uh, then, so there were, like you said, three more games in the series, which the data was transferable for. Uh, but what's cool is, if you took all four games and lined them up and turned them on their spine... Yeah, this is really cool. Yeah, it actually showed a picture of Kite riding a uh, Grunty. Yep. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of like the old DVDs, like Star Wars DVDs would do. Um, but yeah, can you believe that within three years, there's seven games in the series release? Wow. Three years. Seven games. Now, did they come out in Japan that way, or did we just kind of like get them in a bunch because no. you know, it, was, it was finally moved over? No, that's how it went in Japan. So in yeah. Japan, oh, really? it came out in, 2002 of Ju- in June of 2002, Mutation in September of 2002, Outbreak wow. December of 2002, and then Quarantine uh, April of 2003. Yeah, it came out in a really short time there as well. Uh, th- this is such a an interesting game series. To have four games come out in that short a time and all be basically like the same game. It's essentially like they, they were expansions. Yeah, it's not like how you would have, uh, you know, I think a modern um like advancement of this example would be like the the Mass Effect series. The first game came out and it was a super success and the second game came out and then like redid the whole battle system. <laughs> and it was completely different than the first game. This those gameplay is pretty much exactly the same from every game. It's just progressing the story further. Yeah, this kind of thing would never happen nowadays. It would be no. DLC. Absolutely. Which I think is is arguably better, you know? I mean, like, look yeah, at... Yeah, like, uh, you see this game released as, like, a dot .hack, and then and every expansion after that was, like, level caps, you know? Like mm-hmm. how you would have in World of Warcraft, your certain regions were level capped by that. Yeah. Now, you, you can buy Infection for, like, 8 to $12 on eBay, but the unfortunate thing is the games get way more expensive as you go on through the series. They are very expensive. Yeah, I'm quor- upset that I think I got rid of all mine. Oh, really? Oh, no. Yeah, because quarantine is like $200. Oh. Yeah. It's I, an expensive game series. I had talked uh, with The Glitch before we like we chose this episode and you know we had some time to research. I had almost considered trying to get a copy of it and play it for a little bit you know, just to, to experience it. And, you know, we just didn't have the time for that. But knowing that the other games of the series are that expensive, it's like, I can't justify getting into this series. Well, I think um, there's remastered collections out there. 
Or maybe there is only of... Oh, of only .hack GU. There's a remastered collection oh, of that. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if you could download these on like uh, Vita or something. Maybe I don't know. That could be. Yeah, that might be an option. I have a PS TV. Oh yeah, you might be able to get it on there. Yeah, that might be worth looking into. I. Uh, but uh, uh, Chops Glitch. Is there any speedrun info on this game that you have? Chops, any? Um. There is a speedrun that I watched of this. Um, in a previous recording of an episode we did, I talked about a speedrunner that bored me to death, and oh no! <laughs> and it felt like it was twenty-six minute longs for an eight-minute segment of the episode. Exact opposite of this. <laughs> this one, I was like pulled in. I was already in like forty minutes in when I started getting a little bit bored. I was like, oh, this is way better than the speedrun I had just watched previously. Um, and it's a lot of so the speedrun's boring. I will I will tell you because and confusing because it is it's a lot of menuing, just a lot of memorizing of menus that you need to like sell items. Like I gotta go to the item shop and like the thing that'll take the longest is oh what items should I sell? No, you, like you have to know what items you're gonna get from enemies. You have to maximize your money and you have to get the right items to make it easier so that you're not screwed over with the RNG of enemies. You actually have some stuff you can control. So like watching the speed run, it's a lot of just like up, sell this, sell this, sell, 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 buy one, buy one thing (laughs) or buy a whole bunch of healing items. And then you just like, when he gets into a battle area, it's just like buff, 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 run through the dungeon. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's weird. The menu navigation the the world record holder has for this game is insane. Like I don't I don't think I've ever seen anyone go so quick because I've I've watched Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy runs in my life, and I've never seen anyone go through the menus as quick as this person does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, amazing. That's insane. So, um, glitch, are you able to pull up the speed run? Record? Uh, so yeah, I got it here. It's uh, Rogaza. Uh, yep. He has the record at. Is just one category? Any percent? Um, and it's one hour, 34 minutes, and 53 seconds. Wow. Considering that the game is probably, what, like a 20, 30-hour playthrough or something? Yeah, and, and and a lot of the game is RNG-dependent to move the plot. So there's points at which you got a data drain to get virus cores, A, B, or C. And the amount of cores you have correspond to, like, passwords to hack into the game. And so, like, at later points in the game, you have to have, like, eight A cores or six B cores. And, like, those are RNG-dependent when you go to fight enemies. So, like, it's very, very hard to um, predict that. Yeah, the that, that's crazy. And it's ridiculous that, you know, this person was able to, what, do it in an hour and a half about? Yeah, and it's funny because there's a point I, I wanted a uh, um, a marathon run between him and two other runners, and uh, there's a point in the game where he's like, "Yeah, uh, you know, I'm level six right now, and we're fighting level twenty eight enemies." So, but so it's a gamble right now. <laughs> yeah, the level grinding section. They go to a level twenty eight world, and they just like run around the map to group the enemies up into a into an area together, and then use a like a wide area spell to like try to kill them all to get uh, experience. That's really slick, and it kind of that kind of stuff doesn't normally happen in regular RPGs, uh, but in but you know in something like an MMO, stuff like that is legit. You know, like in something like World of Warcraft, uh, you know, you might gather up all the enemies in an area to kill them just really quick with big, giant area of effect attacks. Uh, you know, so that's actually kind of a legit thing to do. I kind of like that. Yeah. So, uh, I think we'll we I think get into the music. Yeah, like, I, I mean, is there any other thoughts you guys have on the game? Like, Again, I think it's really unique for its release. I don't think you could come up with anything like this nowadays, as it is like a physical game being released at six, what, four months, three months within each other. It'd just be DLC. But uh, also, I think people would be upset if they if developers did this. Yeah, because I remember everyone freaking out when they were redoing Final Fantasy VII, and they were talking about it being episodic, and like the whole world yeah. like freaked out. <laughs> Yeah, and like understandably so. 
Yeah, if this was done nowadays, it'd be like, just give me the polished finished game. Yeah. I'll wait for it. Yeah, it, this is a really a product of its time, and it's super interesting. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's that's definitely a fun aspect. But uh, I tell you what, guys, let's go ahead and jump on into the music. But first, let's hear a word from one of our partners. Imagine being stuck in a room for days, far from your friends and family while feeling sick and scared. Now, imagine being in that same room but having access to online gaming, virtual reality, 3D printing, Lego robotics, and the ability to create your own Twitch channel. At CS Mott Children's Hospital, we use video game technology to improve our patients' lives and help them reach their therapeutic goals. But we can't do it without your help. Every device and interaction provided to our patients is paid for by the thoughtful donations of gamers like you. If you want to help, then go to tiltify.com slash mottchildren. That's T-I-L-T-I-F-Y dot com slash M-O-T-T children. There, you can make a one-time donation, or if you're a content creator, learn how to stream for Mott. So if you want to help other gamers like you, please visit tiltify.com slash mottchildren and play for the little victors. So the music was composed by Chikayo Fukuda, who also worked on Tail Sky Patrol for the Game Gear, the rest of the Dot Hack games, as well as Naruto Ultimate Ninja, Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Heroes 3, Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm 2, Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Impact, a ton more Naruto games that I didn't even want to list here. <laughs> Asura's Wrath and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Eyes of Heaven. So lots of anime. A whole bunch of anime games. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into our first song. Uh, this is one of the overworld themes. This is the theme of Wasteland Field. Let's give it a listen. Honestly, like if you had told me that this was the background music for an episode of Naruto, I'd have believed you. Yeah, right. Exactly. It definitely it's it sounds like background music, but it's yeah. pleasing. Like I, I would love to hear an orchestrated version of this, even though I think it'd be a waste of an orchestra's time to play it. <laughs> it really go anywhere. But like that harp uh, plucking in the beginning and just like those woodwinds that come in, it's it's really soothing. Yeah, I really There's enjoy a- that song. Uh, There's a lot of storytelling going on in this game, and I think the the idea is not to pull you away from what's being told, mm-hmm. and that's why it's just kind of very calming. Mm-hmm. Now, here's one of our battle themes. Uh, this is the theme of uh, Prairie Rainfield, the battle theme there. Let's give it a listen.
battle themes are kind of on the mellow side. Yeah, they don't, like, I don't feel a sense of danger with that music. Yeah, I enjoy it, but yeah, it is not uh, uh, an especially, you know, tense song. Yeah. Uh, but we have our final song for uh, the selection of music from this game, and this is the theme of, uh, is it Mak Anu? Uh, Chops, is that how you pronounce Mach- it? Makanu, yeah. Makanu. Uh, but let's go ahead and give this a listen. heard that song when i was going through the soundtrack before i must have missed it and i'm mm-hmm. so glad you chose that uh chops because i think that might be my favorite uh of the songs we've heard from this game because uh i really love that like flamenco style guitar that really yeah. picks up towards the middle of the song there yeah it's this is the song that you hear in the port the town that you get like missions and items so you're moving around this town a lot you're there a lot and it's it's such a pleasant experience. Um, it also, I chose this song because in the YouTube video, did you guys read the description in the YouTube video of this? I uh, I mean I have it right here because we're listening to it. Uh, so uh-huh. I won't I won't say who the person is, but in this person who posted this YouTube video that says, "When I was younger, I had a very close friend. We both shared a love of video games. I used to pick up." TV remote and turn the brightness all the way to zero so the screen would be uh, black but leave the sound on as the theme of Makanu plays with the sounds of rivers underneath the bridges as well as the steps of other PCs played on through the night when we went to sleep. My friend and I aren't close anymore but those memories are still very dear to me as such this is one of my favorite video game themes. Oh, There's just cool. like a, a twinge of sadness beauty and sadness in that story that like this song kind of does it's like a memory it's just like a pleasant soothing song yeah that is i i i don't feel like there's anything i can follow up from that story yeah it's just weird like like i don't know it was just strange to see that with this song i thought it was cool to mention it is i like that a lot i but it's it's beautifully tragic Yes, it is. Uh, My favorite kind of beauty. (laughs) Gentlemen, let us have our final thoughts on Dot Hack Infection. Glitch, how about for you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's a really cool concept. I love the idea that the data transferred over. I I mean, I'm not a big anime guy, but I think if I would have known about this and known how the game played out, I probably would have picked it up. And I kind of regret not being into it. now that the games are a hundred plus a piece, <laughs> Jobs, how about for you? You don't regret it as much as I do, who actually owned all four <laughs> copies and doesn't anymore. So I have way more regret on that. Um, I love the game series; it was really cool to like play a game over four games to finish the story. Like, not only do I you get wrapped up in the story at the end of the first one of what's happening in that game, but you don't the payout isn't until four games 
Yeah, that's crazy. It, and so it was just a really cool experience that every few months I'd be like, by the time you finished one game, the next game came out. And so it was like a continuous play of it. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, the, the first game is pretty uh, you know, readily available on eBay. So, you know, if, if you are interested, go ahead and pick it up. And then hate yourself because now you have a giant cliffhanger that you have to deal with for the rest of your life, or you shell yep. out hundreds of dollars. I uh, terrible idea, Craig. I never said it was a good idea. I was just saying it's an idea. But guys, what do you say we dive on into our retro rewind? So this game came out on February 11th, 2003, and that means that it's too recent for me to go through my giant pile of newspapers in my storage facility. Uh, oh, so that's, that's unfortunate. It is. So what I have for you guys instead is the uh, top song uh, from that time, and I also Ooh. have uh, the movies that were released around the uh, release of this game. Are you ready for it? Can I guess? Can I guess the song? Yes. Uh, Ludacris. Something from Ludacris. Nope. Ah. Uh, it's a DM. It's a DMX song. Nope. All right. What from Avril Lavigne, "I'm With You." I. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> uh, but good guesses. I. Uh, as far as the movies go, I uh, between February seventh release of movies and the fourteenth. Uh, we had Deliver Us from Eva, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, oh. Shanghai Nights, oh, man. Daredevil, and The Jungle Book 2. Craig, do you, do you know why I guess DMX? Oh, why? Because later that month, February 28th, Cradle to the Grave came out, starring Jet Li and DMX. <laughs> <laughs> marvelous it is um i also have a couple pop culture things that happen in february uh-huh february 1st glitch did you is this what you were going to talk about or no no i just pulled uh, up the game releases um the space shuttle columbia disintegrated while returning to earth oh, on february 1st that's right yep and then on the 4th yugoslavia ceased to exist with parliament uh, of the country adopting a new constitution, uh, which is the union of Serbia and Montenegro. Yeah. Uh, Yugoslavia wasn't a whole lot of country throughout the nineties anyway. And yeah. yeah, Yugoslavia was no more. Man. All right. So I pulled up, game releases for the month of february 2003 mm -hmm. so japan actually had quite a bit of really good releases that month um on the 6th they got fatal frame for the xbox Ooh. uh on the 13th they got spider-man for gamecube ps2 and xbox awesome um they also got resident evil dead aim for the ps2 which i'm not familiar with that one i think it might have been a japan is release a, only is that a rail shooter i don't know it sounds um, like it should be right on the 14th, they got Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance. Oh, that's awesome. And on the 28th, they got Metroid Prime on GameCube. Wow. Man, they got a lot. What did we get? So in the in the in North America, on the 10th, we got Command and Conquer Generals for the PC. Yes. Uh, the 11th, we got Capcom versus SNK2 on the Xbox. Oh, that's a great that game. is amazing. Great on game. the 12th. We got Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon on the GameCube. Wow. The 14th, we got uh, Game Boy Advance SP. That was released. <laughs> Changed my life with that backlit screen. It really nice. did. Uh, the 16th, we got Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and Master's, Master Quest Edition on the GameCube. I picked those up. Or that up. Yep. And then on the 18th, we got Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell on the PC. Wow, man! Tom Clancy was uh, uh, you know striking it rich that month. Yeah, that was a good month, I think, for both of us. But I think Japan has the upper hand there with oh yeah the Metroid games and Spider Man. 
Oh, oh yeah. I don't know. We got Capcom SNK too. That's pretty sweet. They probably got it earlier. Yeah, they already had all that stuff. Yeah, they already had that. <laughs> that uh, Japan wins as they always do. I. Uh, well, guys, what do you say we jump on into our music bracket? Uh, for yes, this week? yes, yes. So, once again, we have great songs here going up against each other. Uh, first up, from Mega Man 9, composed by Ippo Yamada, Ryo Kawa, uh, Kawakami, Yu Shimoda, and Hiroki Isogai, we have the theme of Hornet Man. Let's give it a listen. might be a really dumb robot master but he his theme is so cool craig what's more frightening bees hornets or robot hornets, oh, robot hornets. Sent at you that is so frightening yeah oh yeah, yeah it's horrifying i mean it, it absolutely is but he's a uh a, a robot master with like a a hornet nest robot body it's dumb right it is dumb uh, but man, anytime, that I, anytime I listen to a Mega Man Nine song, though, it, it it makes me realize like, as you listen to it, like, oh, did this? When did this song come out? It has to be you know early '90s Mega Man. No, it's 2008. Like they did such a great job uh, embodying that original sound from the games. Yeah, they really did. And uh, what it's going up against is another one of our kind of oddball uh, uh, Mega Man soundtracks. From uh, Capcom in the 90s, not the 2000s, though you would think otherwise with the uh, quality difference in song from, you know, the 8-bit stuff to the 16-bit, from Mega Man and Bass, uh, composed by Toshihiko Horiyama, Naoshi Mizuta, and Akari Kaida, this is the theme of Tengu Man. Let's give it a listen.
I uh, simply adore that song. It is so good. What's the premise with Tengu Mei? He's got like the, the shuriken in his in his left hand, but is he supposed to be like wearing a mask? Is that why that his face looks so different? Yeah, it's a Japanese mythology thing. Uh, Tengu oh, okay. are Japanese like creatures. They're like imp-like monsters that have like long noses or or sometimes even like uh, uh, bird heads. Uh, mm. Yeah, so it's it's all about Japanese mythology with Tengu Man, which doesn't really translate to the West very well, but uh, nope. I'm glad he's in it. Uh, also, uh, uh, as a quick aside, uh, Chops, does the song remind you of the music of Breath of Fire 3? It does. Because Akari Kaida has such a distinct style, who also worked on Breath of Fire 3. Yeah, I'm, I really dig that song. It kind of has like a... R&B feel to it. I almost want to hear like Boys to Men sing a love song over that track. Like I just think that would be amazing. I would kill for that. <laughs> I would yeah, literally yeah. kill let's for call, that. Let's call up Boys to Men and be like, "Listen, you need to make an R&B song over this Mega Man song or else or we'll kill you because Greg <laughs> will kill for this song." Oh god. And so if you weird. do it, we'll kill someone anyway. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't. No, I'm not involved in this anymore. I'm out. (laughs) You're on the episode. I'm sorry. Uh, Per the uh, Thrill Kill guidelines, you have to be involved. Legally binding. Mm -hmm. That's true. Legally binding murder. Gotcha. That's how it works. Uh, But for all of our listeners who might not be in the know, uh, let me give you a quick rundown. In order to vote in our music brackets, we have four different ways to vote, and each vote counts it is on Facebook. You ask to join our uh, group, and we will let you in. You can vote there. Our Twitter account, you can vote there. If you jump on our Discord, if you go to GameZillaMedia.com, there's a link to our Discord in there. You can go ahead and uh, you know get a vote that way every week. And then we also have our Patreon page. Uh, if you go to Patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia.com, uh, you're going to be able to uh, uh, get a vote there as well, so long as you are in the $1 or more tier of uh, Patreon. Now, uh, Glitch, as far as that goes, uh, we, we talk a lot about all of the, the perks of Patreon, uh, but what do you specifically get? Let's hype up the Legend of Retro side of Patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. What do they get? Yeah. So if you're generous enough to give us $5, you also get our bonus show, Game Shark. comes out every month. Uh, we go over our draft picks for the draft. We also go over things like the top 100 games on the system, our ranking list for Mega Man r- robots. I mean, you get it all. And, uh, you know, it's just for $5, and we appreciate every single dollar you give us. And Chops, if you had to recommend a previous episode of Game Shark that we've done, what would you I recommend? Can- I hate you, Crick. What? I want to know, even if it's one you've been on. I don't even remember them. Um, he just gave you a list of some of them. Um, was I listening? No, I was trying to log into Patreon to look at past episodes of Game Show. I'll come up with it. I'll come up with it. Don't do it. Uh, uh, the, one, uh, the one where we talk about our favorite retro squirrels. Is that one? Is that one? How about this for a sneak peek? Uh, this month's uh, episode of Game Shark is a very special one that me and Chops present. Uh, and it's not out yet, but I think that I think that you'll really get into the rhythm of things with that episode. I was going to say that, and then I was like, oh, wait, I don't think that's out yet. It <laughs> <laughs> was the only one I could think of. <laughs> My bad. But there's a lot of great Game Shark episodes to listen to. So go to patreon.com slash gamezilla media. Become that patron and, and, and reap benefits today. We're done. The show's over. <laughs> just, just sign us out, Glitch. Sign us out. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode. We'll see y'all next time. When, when the, the legend, legend continues. continues.